course, you know, it's me, your host, Jerron Rose. We're gonna start off with, of course, that lovely theme by John. Yeah. Blake. And then we get to the I'm back, back, better than ever. The king is arisen, young Nebuchadnezzar. Before the north, that is a never. Put in so much work that can't measure the effort. But look at me now, made more from the lesser. Solid, I never fold under pressure. Ugh, eating, Hannibal Lecter, milking it. Boy, I was great for the cheddar. They say they want real, it's a shade in the desert. So take it or love it or hate it, whatever. I'm reaping the fruits of my labor, tasting the nectar. Getting this paper together, turning my pain into pleasure. Flame like Jamaican, I pepper. Mine is a midget stepper. I'm trying to get to the money, but that ain't my greatest endeavor. When it rain, I don't pray for good weather. When they got cold, I said thanks for the sweater. I never said I'm a shooter, I'm more like an Uber. I'm down to take it wherever. Man, leave me alone, the king is on his throne, and I'm waving my scepter. God, I'm trying to figure out how it happened, like the bone collector. They stiff as a board and light as a feather. I show all my craft to make them remember. I got a gift like it's late in December. The circle is small and ain't taking new members. You never been through no struggle. Depend on your people to bubble. Working with minimal muscle. And I got a critical hustle. Critical hustle. Critical hustle. Whatever they told to, I do whatever I want to. Used to be down to split the bag, now I'm so low when I come through. I got a critical hustle, I got a critical hustle, I got a critical hustle, I got a critical hustle. They do whatever they told to, I do whatever I want to. Used to be down to split the bag, now I'm so low when I come through. actually uh just was a different a different it wasn't a different experience but it was good to just get to talk to somebody who went and made specific changes by choice and i think a lot of times what we don't we don't take into account is having the freedom of choice to make changes in our life so here lee picks up on kind of what got him on the path that he's on now um, as far as law school and kind of where everything goes from there. Uh, we'll talk about a lot of different things here, but really this interview is more perspective than anything else. I, I do want you to take the opportunity to check out his company. That's Alpha, O-W-L-A, excuse me, O-W-L-F-A, and that's Alpha, as, like Alpha, depending on how you how you pronunciate and in my case, apparently pretty badly. So O-W-L-F-A.com. And just enjoy the rest of the interview. I, I really wanted everyone to get a different sense of of experience with this, with this one here because we touch on so many different things. We talk about living life and experience as the best teacher. And... I think that you just kind of get an overall sense of being and we touched some really good points there. So hopefully it sparks some interest. 
some in some interesting thought at least from you. And of course, if you have any anything that you want to hit me up on, you can go to Critical Hustle on Instagram, Critical Hustle on Twitter, and also the email, of course, is criticalhustle at gmail.com. So I look forward to hearing from you guys and being able to discuss more openly uh, any topics that come to mind. So with that being said, I bring you back to Lee Mayfield of Alpha in Houston, Texas, and he is a financial planner. So it's good to get a good understanding of where you need to be. And I think one thing that, that we did leave off on before is the idea behind the concept of financial planning really is not just for the rich, but really it's for um, the working class. I think that's a very important part of making the decisions on how you how do you save money? How do you spend your money? How do you negotiate the best ways for you? You know, you want to get your financial planner that truly understands where you come from and your background. I think that's going to be one of the more important things that you will come to find. So enjoy. Lee Mayfield, Alpha, Alpha.com, O-W-L-F-A. Once you, you get out the military, mm -hmm. you go to UT, you get, okay. done, you, get, yeah, you get out of UT, and then you go to law school. Yeah, so I was dating a girl, and uh, she's like, I was, I was gung-ho about going back in the military. Um, it was my total ambition when I got out. I was going to go to college, and I was going to go back to OCS. But then I, 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 I did what happens to most people um, I started dating a girl and I was like oh civilian life is pretty awesome um, I don't have to get on a plane at a moment's notice and go somewhere um, which I didn't know what consulting was <laughs> but yeah I was dating a girl and she said you know you, you're doing really well academically you should probably look at graduate school and I had no ambition to go to graduate school whatsoever um, and my undergrad was in I, I did all the requirements for government and I said um, well I have more time to kill so I went and got all the requirements done for geography which is you know the study of space right um, and it really doesn't lend itself to very many graduate programs because it's not hard enough science to get you into a hard science program and it's not soft enough science to put you in like, social work or anything like that so everybody said that I always love to argue which is not true um I do not love to argue, but they're like, like you should go to law school, Lee. And I didn't know any better, so I went to law school. Um, and I got to law school, and five minutes into law school, realized, oh man, this is not fun. <laughs> uh, and it, it wasn't the education of law school. The education of law school is one of the best educations you can possibly receive because it's all about destroying your assumptions. Uh, that's all law school is. It's the Socratic method over and over and over again. And Socratic method is just, you know, explain that. Why do you believe that? Well, what happens if this happens? And just going down the logical chain of events that follow any decision. Um, uh, but it's filled with social climbers. Like people who, the worst people in the world are the people who want to be lawyers. Uh, it, it, no, it is. It's true. And they want to drive a, a fancy car. And I always say, you know, all the guys are like five foot five. And, you know, they're funny-ish. They're not so funny that women are attracted to them, so they know that the only way they're going to get 
people to like them is to make a lot of money. And so they go to law because there's still the ability, theoretically, to make a lot of money in law. Law is very much economically stratified between the very high earners and the other 90%. Right. So very quick in my law school career, I realized I did not want to be a lawyer. Um, and I, I worked on, I, I did the death row clinic, and that was illuminating. Um, and then I worked in the family law clinic, and, or the civil clinic, and I realized that what I did not have the ability to do was sit in front of somebody and ask them for money on the worst day of their life. Like, hey, you're gonna lose your kids if you don't win, if you don't fight this divorce. So write me a check. Didn't have it in me. Uh, so I very quickly said, okay. So there's only two things, two places in the law that are economically pure. Um, one is going into the military as a JAG officer, paid a salary to do that. The other is to become a public defender. Um, and so I said very quickly, I'm gonna be one of these two things. Um, I went through my whole legal, uh, my whole law school career. Rather than pursuing the grades or anything, I went for practical experiences. I got on the clinic, I got into the family clinic, I stayed there for a year, I did death, the, I worked on the, I worked with uh, people at U of H uh, on the death row stuff and appeals uh, side for a year. It was all practical experience. And I got out of, I, I, did, a, I did an internship in uh, Washoe County, Nevada. Um, in the public defender's office, and I said, this is everything I, I would want to do in law. Because it's just going in and fighting, pure fighting. No economic worries, no give me a check before I go fight. None of that. And so I graduated law school, and it was 2009. And I don't know if you know what the economy was like in 2009, but it was brutal, especially for lawyers. And so I just didn't get any offers. Well, I got offers, but I got waitlisted or or the state was cutting back the budget. And so I was like, oh man, I gotta, I'm gonna have to do that thing that I don't wanna do, which is ask, money, ask people for money on the worst day of their life. Uh, and so I started that, uh, took a year uh, after law school and bartended and said, man, can I even do that? Like, it, I never wanted to be that guy. I never wanted to be the classic shysty lawyer. Um, I, I knew I didn't have it in me. Um, and so I took my first couple cases, uh, you know, I laid out way too low economic terms, uh, and very quickly realized I still loved sitting with the clients and I loved going out and fighting for them. I just hated that part where I had to ask them for money on the worst day of their life. I just couldn't do it. And I realized I couldn't do it. And one of my clients, um, one of my first clients, he got a big decision, and then uh, he, he said, what do I do with this now that, now that we, we have money? I said, oh, you, go and, you go and invest, and you gotta do all that stuff that people do with investing. Right. And he got scammed. And so he just had been scammed, and we won a case, and he got money for it, and then he got scammed again, and lost everything that I had spent months fighting for. And I took a look at the financial services industry, and I said, oh my God, 90% of this is crap. But even worse than that, these guys don't know that they're crap. Like it's one thing to be crappy and know that you're crappy. Like there's a great, there's a great, great, great series of books uh, called the Gulag Archipelago, uh, which is a Russian, and it has nothing to do with what the, I'm about to talk about. But it's <laughs> great. And so in the 1940s and 50s, Russia was imprisoning a bunch of political prisoners, 
and he goes, and it, it's one that's in, his, in the school log, and he's been tortured, and he hasn't eaten, and he has cancer, and all this stuff is going wrong for him. And he's talking about the difference between the utterly corrupt prisoners, who are the criminals, and the political prisoners. And he said, you know, the, the, the people who were horrible and openly horrible, nobody treated them bad. Because you knew they were, you know, they were criminals and they'd be back here in a few years. Sure. But the political people, they had no understanding of, uh, the political prisoners had no understanding of how, the, how unjustly they could be punished like this. And, uh, you know, like criminals who are ripping people off, that they know they're criminals. Sure. The worst are the people, the, the worst of the worst are the people who have no idea that they're causing harm to their clients and believe fervently that they're doing the right thing for their clients. But it just so happens to be the right thing for their pocketbook. Uh-huh. Like, uh, I, I don't know if I can say it, but the guy here in Houston who ran the Ponzi scheme. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, Stanford. I wish I wasn't high enough tax bracket to get the call. No, no, no. <laughs> so he, he's, running the, he's running the Ponzi scheme, and he knows he's running the Ponzi scheme, and he does it, and uh, he destroys lives, and then he's absolutely doesn't. He's like, people were greedy. I couldn't have ripped them off. Madoff said the same thing. Nobody would have been hurt if they hadn't been greedy. So it's their fault for letting me do this to them. And you see that a lot in financial services. Like it's their fault they wanted to do an IPO, uh, or buy an IPO in Snapchat or whatever. And much of the much of what passes for advice, and that's air quotes from my hands, is just whatever's going to get them to sign their money over to, to sign. I say that's a horrible, horrible state of affairs. How can an industry exist that is so extractive? Um, and so, you know, seven years ago, seven, six years ago, six years ago, I'm looking at this and I go, well, that can't be right. And so I started reading. And that's how, whenever I get a big problem, I said, okay, I'm going to read. I'm like a light switch. If I'm on, I'm just going to read as much as I can, study as much as I can, and bore everybody all the time talking about the same thing. And it's, it's amazing that girlfriend is still with me because uh, I, I was I was uh, what I call what Munger calls an intelligent fanatic I was like there's got to be a better way and so I just kept studying and studying and studying and just trying to figure out how you could how this existed and the truth is it exists because there's a lot of money and no quality control uh, and because there's no quality control this whole industry exists um, and you have guys coming to your kitchen table and telling you about how you know, don't you want to protect your family? And, you know, that guy's got, like, he knows, like, three things. Uh, but he, he doesn't know anything about you. He just wants to suggest something to you. So I said, that can't be the way that business operates long term. Uh, and so I became a, a, a crazy person uh, <laughs> to try and solve financial planning issues at scale uh, and train people to uh, solve problems for their clients be useful to their clients and turn money away from their clients when it's not the appropriate thing um, I think that's uh, like I won't you know I'm probably it sounds weird but I will, I will fire somebody if they take money inappropriately in that they say you know you can put this over here and it's a lot cheaper but you know don't you want me to manage it that's not that's not a reason to manage right. somebody's money um, that, that's one of the things that would tick me off but that's how every other firm exists like you should put me in money with me so I'll watch it um, anyways I have there's a thousand stories like that but. well yeah so then 
I guess this is the part where like it gets kind of to that real question that I don't know if anybody's ever asked you, and I hope they haven't because I'll feel special when I listen back to this, yeah. <laughs> is when you make the transition, because you this is, you have your own startup now. Yeah, yeah. We start, started, well, I bought it a year ago. Okay. So prior to that, what was your process? Because... So I had my own firm uh, for a few years um, while I was doing all this craziness, um, and I would do plans for people, and I wasn't charging much, if at all, um, and I would just talk to people and work over their plans. And I was figuring out processes, because I didn't go to a firm to learn it. I, I went to the books, and then I would try it with people, and it would fail miserably, not like their investments or anything, but like my way of explaining it to people. And I was still practicing law, and it got to a point where competing priorities, right? At some point, something has to give, because I don't have 100 hours in a week. And so I had to go, rather than half-ass two things, which I never did, but like, rather than trying to whole-ass two things, I had to whole-ass one. Um, and so I said, I really, really like dealing with clients. Um, and so um, Margaret and I talked, and she said, you should go in-house with somebody. She's like, it's not that you're going to learn your skills. You're just going to work with somebody and be in a team environment. That's always better to be in a team environment than being a solo. And I I honestly had not been on – I mean, I'd been a, I'd run bars and stuff, but, like, not in a professional environment, been on a team um, in, like, six, five years. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll go do that. And uh, I, I joined this firm, and, and I stayed there for 51 weeks. Uh, and it was a great firm still friends with everybody at the firm I just realized that ha- what I wanted to do was not the firm's mission and when you have them and they're a great firm and I would highly recommend them to anybody um, it's just they have a different mission than I do they are focused on business owners and exclusively business owners and talking to entrepreneurs in their language and that's not I can do that but my focus is on providing access to everyone um, and one of the worst conversations I ever had was I picked up the phone and somebody didn't have enough money to invest with us and I had to refer them to somebody else. But I really could have solved that problem in like 10 minutes. Right. And I'm like, that's just trying, like, that's embarrassing to that person. Right. And I just don't ever want to have that. I never wanted to have that feeling. Like, because I'm the guy who hates asking for money on the worst day of somebody's life. Right. And so in order to align my mission, my idea with... <clears throat> my economic reality I had to own the firm and I had to set the rule that we don't turn anybody away um, and so that's why I went a friend of mine had started Alpha uh, he had actually come to me he's like hey man I'm going to start my own firm what should I call it and he's like I don't want to call it something goobery like you know uh, you know Jefferson Enterprises or something like that <laughs> like, or, or I said why don't you call it something that you can buy the domain it's five letters, the Kodak rule. It doesn't have any other meaning anywhere else. But, you know, it's cheeky and fun. And we were sitting around drinking beers at a bar. And we, we had been at Rice together at the, in the CFP program. And I was like, he's like, well, we went to Rice. You know, Rice Owls. What about Owl Financial Advisors? I'm like, I'm sure that's taken. I was like, I was like what about in, in finance, Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, means excess return. I thought it was a really cheeky thing. I was like, why don't you call it alpha? Like, it's stupid. And everybody will ask you how you spell it, and you'll explain how you spell it, O-W-L-F-A, and they'll never forget how to spell it. And so he did. And then, like, three months later, I, 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 I 
decided to go out on my own and I was going to start restart my existing practice. And, uh, you know, he told me, he's like, man, I, I started this thing, but I'm not going to do it. Um, and it takes like three to six months to get your license back up from a new firm. And I was like, well, I'll just buy the firm from you. So I bought the firm from him. Um, so it worked out really well because um, I would have picked Alpha as the main name. Uh, <laughs> but no, he, it's, yeah, it just became about, you know, knowing my own limitations and knowing who I, I you always want to be the hero. Everybody wants to be the hero in their own book, right? Everybody wants to be the hero of their own movie. I just realized that I couldn't do, that I didn't have that killer instinct to go after the money on somebody's worst day. And that's because having been a kid, growing up financially unstable, I always feared those people. Right. And those people scared the crap out of me. And I never wanted to put somebody in that position. And I just, you know, it's not that I'm like some great moral paragon. It's just I know my limitations. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's how I got to be where I'm and so I went super obsessive into learning how to uh, do financial planning. And personal finance is much more personal than it is finance. So right. it became, it, I realized that I was most effective when I taught. And, and my clients had better outcomes when I taught them the why and the how and the what we're going to do. Instead of just, oh, well, you need to save X amount. It'll be fine on the shoulder come back in three months and we'll talk again instead I would sit with them and argue with them and pound the table only occasionally when I thought they were going to make a horrible error and I just realized that I just love teaching too and if you can teach somebody how to make good financial decisions by eliminating the bad financial decisions uh, clients stick with you uh, long term and they, they want to they want to share you with their fam friends and family and I think that long term that's a better oh my phone's ringing sorry about that no worry let me uh, turn that off I'm gonna just talk <laughs> yeah go ahead so as you guys are listening here you begin after we've gotten this far to see the interest and in, in why I want to sit down with me and really just kind of delve into the processes that are involved in in going from where you are to where you're like now we kind of get into it a little bit more and see my next magic question sorry i'm back sorry about that oh no problem see i like to i like to come to the residence of people <laughs> get you your natural habitat oh no my office is closed because <laughs> there's a festival down the street and i can't get to my office that's why he's at my house that, that's still a natural habitat for me i, I like <laughs> I, I like interviewing people in their own space yeah no this is definitely my space you can smell it <laughs> But so here's something that I think we I think we've talked we touched on it but we haven't hit it there and I think it's one of the things that most people have an issue with which is fear of change and oh yeah you made <laughs> big decisions. changes yeah I mean you every everything that we've talked about each story really it's a change and it's not just a change of kind of like well I'm gonna just put these I'm gonna put on, on a there. yellow shirt or, or a green shirt yeah I mean they're um, significant life changes so how do you how do you learn to succeed how do you learn to make the change and accept it um, so I think one of the benefits of growing up as unstable as our life was growing up is that you realize that you get to carry you wherever you are so your day your you fundamentally stays the same 
mean, once you know who you are, it, it, it takes a lot of the pressure off, right? Yeah. So, figuring out what you want to do and figuring out how to do what you want to do are two different things, right? right. For me, figuring out what I wanted to do, I had to keep trying things until I found everything that clicked with me. Because um, I thought I would be fine. When I, you know, before I went to law school, I thought I was going to be back in the Army. Before I went to... After I went to law school, I thought I was going to be arguing in, 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 case, in cases in court, and that's all I was going to do. And then once I argued cases in court, uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was going to be a public defender, and then I was not a public defender. Uh, and then I realized that what I really liked doing was sitting with clients and solving the problems, um, and the actual sitting with clients. If you talk to me at 17, 18, 19, 20, 25, 26, you would not think that that was going to be For me, I, I was a. It took a long time for me to figure out what I. Not only what I was good at, but what I, what I really enjoyed. Um, but I was committed to just trying things. Uh, there's a really good book. Um, it's called Mastery by George Leonard. And so in Mastery, it's a it's a stupid title. It's a horrible title. It's a damn good book. He talks about the different ways that people learn. And, you know, you have the people who learn just enough to get by. And then you have the people who really dive head head, head first into something for a little bit and they pitter out. And, like, you know, your friend who's going to learn the guitar and, like, he gets a guitar and he buys all the, all the stuff for the guitar. And then you go to his house and he's like, let me show you this new song I'm working on, man. And he plays, like, three chords and, like, that's terrible. Uh, and then, like, six months later, you go, like, you see, you go to his house and you see the guitar in, like, his bedroom in the corner. Hasn't touched him. Um, no comment. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> I'm just saying because, you know, I'm from Austin and I have a lot of musician friends. Um, and so for me, um, I always knew, like, once I got a hold of something that I wanted to do, I had no problem just grinding. I had no problem learning everything I could to be an expert at that thing. Um, it was just figuring out where to aim. But once I figured out, you know, financial planning and, and, and investing was the thing for me. Man, I just, you can go into my office over there and you'll see the books. And the books don't matter. It's, it's the conversations around the books. It's the, well, what about questions that get asked? And, you know, I love that stuff. I love writing on the stuff that has to do with, with, uh, with not my job, but my, my, my career. Because you find that if you have skin in the game, your ability to earn a living is dependent upon the value of the advice that you provide to people. The things that are normally boring, like going over financial statements and learning how to spot different things in financial statements, instead of becoming incredibly boring and just just awful, they can, they have their own special meaning. Like the two hours that you spend going over reading a 10K for a company becomes like, oh, wow, I never knew that. I read this footnote, and I didn't realize that they were expensing. Instead of capitalizing, that's that could, that's going to be a huge problem in three years. Or like, you know, uh, 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 other things. Uh, like you read, you know, 
some, let's just say there's an electric car company and the CEO is telling you about how they're going to deliver 500,000 cars. And then three weeks later, it turns out they're making three a day. And you're like, well, I don't think you're going to get to 500,000 <laughs> right. in 60 days. Um, just hypothetically, if that was happening somewhere in a publicly traded company in the United States. Just saying. Exactly. Um, but the point of it is, I think whatever, if you're trying to make that decision, put some skin in the game, right? Um, the people who dabble, um, they never put skin in the game, right? Never, they never take away their. I'm not saying like burn your parachute. Um, like Albert Einstein was a patent clerk for a reason. It allowed him to earn a living while he worked on his theories of you know gravity and relativity. Uh, that's good if you're doing some intellectual pursuit have a day job that is boring and menial and pays your bills so you can have all the time in the world to think um and that's a there's time for that um but when you get into let's say you want to have a job as a um let's say you decided that you're gonna become a a tech ceo fantastic what does that mean well i'm gonna create tech well what, what kind of tech Find something that annoys the crap out of everybody and go fix that problem. And that's the only way to make it in tech. You know? Like the guy who, like if you just look at Snapchat, you can see what Facebook and Instagram is going to do in three months. Uh, or three weeks now. Um, but, you know, it's all about making something convenient. Like I don't call taxis. I click at Uber. Uh, I don't call a restaurant to order food. I open an app. Um, I don't, and, and things like that, yeah. Um, but behind each of those apps is a whiteboard and some crazy fanatic trying to solve the problem to solve the algorithm to make sure he has enough drivers and enough uh, uh, passengers that he doesn't have too much of one and not enough of the other. Um, like, once you decide to go down that path, just commit. Like, you might, you know, odds are you're going to fail. Sure. Except that failure is part of it. Just have a known cutoff. Like, don't go bankrupt or anything. But like, like whole asset. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just tap dancing here. Sorry. Well, no, no, like, no. I mean, but I think you touched on on one of the things that I find to be really important is people. I mean, people have made millions of dollars writing books about people's fear of failure. And I've never like the fear of failure. I think we all have a fear of failure. Um, one of the best parts about the army is it gives you, like, so I'm already a man, so that already gives me an irrational level of self-confidence, as anyone can attest to. Um, and I'm not a handsome man, so that's even, it's even more confidence that's unearned. Uh, but one thing about the army um, is I just, I just don't worry about it. Like, you just keep going. Have a known have a known failure point, but as long as you're not at the failure point, you're you're in the game, man. Just you, you just gotta accept that you gotta you gotta figure out what your exposure is gonna be, and this is all finance stuff. You gotta figure your exposure. No, but seriously, figure out what you're willing to risk, right? It's like I'll often I have a friend of mine who goes to Vegas and he tells me about how he gambles and it's like a nightmare to me because I'm like, you just you're just totally no, and it's the worst. Because the first time he did it, he made a lot of money. Okay. And so that's one of the worst things in the world is to be successful without effort. Right. It's just ruinous to people. 
because once you've succeeded once, you're like standing on top of a lotto ticket, like you should buy lotto tickets. Like, no, dude, that doesn't, that's chance. Um, anyways, uh, he and I always often have discussions about gambling, and I always say, if you don't understand what you're gambling and you don't understand why you're laying the bet that you do, you're just, that's just a wild guess. Um, like, that's just, that seems stupid and silly to me. People who are trying to figure out how to succeed, you know. Let's say you got an extra ten bucks a month. Go on Udemy, bonus skill related to what you think you want to do. Whether that's playing a guitar, which you shouldn't, because nobody should play a guitar um, unless they're really good at it. They've been doing it since they were seven. Look at Prince. Uh, or um, and that's no, I'm joking. Play guitars, they're great. Follow your passion. Um, or <laughs> Or you want to solve some tech thing and you don't know how to code JavaScript, go t- spend $10, get on Udemy, go on YouTube. I mean, we, we the problem right now is not the access to the information. You have cheap access to solid information today. Right. More so than anybody in history has ever had. It's channeling. The, the discipline, really. It's experience. taking it's taking that available that, av- that available series of 20 million options, figuring out the two or three that you actually want to explore and exploring them in depth um i guarantee you like i have friend i have a friend like my friend who does the trains he loves trains to a level that is just stultifyingly boring (laughs) if you've ever been in a conversation with him and he starts talking about trains with his train friends it's the worst feeling in the world because i know that this isn't going to stop for another two hours (laughs) so that's when i go drink heavily in the other room um but the he knows trains it's on some steam engine from 1875. And I'm over there like, does it sit on the tracks and go? All right, cool. If you have something that you can have that level of depth of knowledge about, I mean, go for it, man. Um, but the excuse people have, like, well, I don't know what I want. Like, I didn't know what I wanted. I just kept trying things until I did. The great part about what you just said is I get to give Jason's credit. Because I remember when I first moved here. He's like, a longshoreman guy? He's a longshoreman guy. So longshoreman guy, again, is like, uh, I'm going to call him a guru. Because then I have to build him back up. He's, yeah, my, guru. he's my yogi. <laughs> he's my <laughs> so, yogi. Yogi longshore. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we were talking. I'm, I'm here. And I kept thinking to myself, huh, I'm here in Texas. Don't know what I'm out here doing. And I call him. And I'm like, hey, I'm in school. I'm doing different things and he says to me well what are you worried about and I tell him I'm like well I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and he's like dude you have no kids because at this point he has kids he's, he's basically an old man he's 22 23 he's he's now 54 he's, he's done it all but <laughs> he says to me he's like you have the ability to step into anything that you want to step into and when it's not what you want to do just step back out it's the most simple Mm-hmm. Information, and the fear that most people develop at that point is, well, I don't want to be the guy to constantly quit stuff. But oh, I quit all the time. Right. And if I don't like a book, I throw it away. You know, like. And that's kind of where where my statement I told you earlier when I came in is like, I know how to quit. I just don't know how to give up. Like, if uh, you realize it's not gonna make sense, you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I can sit here and try and as you should use earlier, rationalize it. <laughs> and make, try and make it make sense but no it just doesn't make sense so just stop <laughs> so yeah people people have a lot of trouble giving up 
aren't working because we invest. And I see it actually, it's, it's one of the great exercises I do with people. And so I'll often ask people, I'm like, okay, so this stock has made like a lot of money for you, right? Yeah. And how much more is it going to make from you? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to do that well. I'm like, okay, cool. So can we sell some of that stock? No, 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 no. no. And so they, it's called attribution bias. People attribute. They, they did this study, and they, 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 they say, you go to buy tickets to a concert, right? You know, like, you don't really care, but you go buy the ticket five bucks. And the guy comes up to you right afterwards, he's like, hey, can I give you ten bucks for that ticket? Most people won't sell the ticket. Like, they don't really care about the concert, but now somebody else wants it more, so uh, I don't want to miss out on this, right? And so how it plays out in personal life is people will go and start to do something and be committed to something and realize, oh, man, this is not what I want to do. Well, that's the point we should walk away. Like, like I realized I didn't want to do, um, I didn't want to do, like, transactional legal work because the thought of writing out a contract every day and changing terms and, like, making sure all the P's and Q's were dotted was, like, my nightmare. It was just my nightmare. Um, I said, all right, I'm not going to do transaction work. I can help people with it, but it's not my thing. Um, uh, but or, like I have a friend who be- decided to become a barber. And because you know, he cut his own hair, and he's like, this is easy. I can make so much money as a barber. And I was like, well, you got to go. It takes longer to become a barber than it takes to become a lawyer. Just so you know, by the way, it's more, more hours of schooling. I'm like, yay, that makes me feel comfortable. Um, and so he went to the barber school and he hated every second of that and it turned out he hated cutting hair but he's still a barber I'm like but you hate being a barber he's like yeah but you know I spent $10,000 in the class and right like like, I know it's a significant sum of money but you know $10,000 or you can go be a longshoreman which you actually enjoy being outdoors and moving stuff around for the forklift could be a forklift driver like just do the thing like keep trying until you find the thing that you like but once you find the thing that you like Commit to it. Commit to it. Yeah. Like, um, there's a great saying: "Strong opinions, weakly held." Um, you know, when you're doing it, commit to it. Give it a full, fair hearing. Man, there's things that just don't work. Right. Uh, I wish I could say I had some boring job that, you know, I, like, or I had some job that was. Can actually, so I got out of the army, <laughs> and one of the things about the army is you can't quit anything, even when you hate doing it. Right? Uh, so I decided that I was gonna quit my first job when I got out of the military. I'm like this is a weird fantasy that I have. I'm like you know what, you can take this job and shove it, right? Um, and this is how I knew I was probably mentally deranged. Uh, so I, I got a job as a shoe salesman at Sears okay. in Hancock Plaza. I wanted to quit. I said, what could I quit? What job could I take and quit? I was actually going to be a bartender. But I was like, I'm going to go be a shoe salesman at Sears because there's no way I'm going to care about that job, right? (laughs) Five minutes in, I'm like, this is stupid. Why is this organized this way? So I start reorganizing the stock. There's a stock in the back. I've been there five minutes, right? I start systematizing and making the process smoother and better. And there's this guy I work with. He's still a close, close friend of mine. And uh, I'm like, J.D., He's like, what's going on? And he's this big, he's this big Mexican guy. And he's like, uh, you know, tell me about all this stuff that's going on in his life. And 
want to be a shoe salesman. I'm like, cool, what do you want to be? And he goes, I don't know. I was like, cool, what are you trying? He's like, I, I don't know. I was like, well, go try something. And he's like, well, I think I want to be a businessman. I'm like, cool, do you, do you know how to balance books? Do you know how to do all the day-to-day stuff of a business? He's like, oh, no, I don't have a clue how to do anything. It's like, cool, they have school for that. Go, go to ACC, Austin Community College. So anyway, so I start this job, and I immediately say I'm going to quit within the first week. But then I see that the system isn't working right, so I'm going to quit once I fix the system, right? So three months go by. It's now holiday season, and this is when I really want to quit the job. And if you've never worked retail at the holidays, <laughs> it really makes you hate people. Just period. Like You're like, oh, people are noble, and they're kind. And then they walk into a store, and they want that damn shoe. Um, and so I'm actually helping women try on shoes in the holiday season at Sears, December like 15th, 16th, 17th, and I am miserable. I am like, this is terrible. And I'm finally like, oh yeah, I can quit. I forgot I could quit. Uh, so I go and I quit. And I leave and JD's like, dude, you quit. I'm quitting too. So he quits. And I'm like, why are you quitting? You have a wife and kids. You're paying for your family's bills. He's like, I'm going to try something else. Long story short, he, what he really liked doing was working outside. Union, and he became a pipe fitter, and he's now, I think he's a journeyman or a master pipe fitter, I'm not sure what it is, we talk like every three months now, or every six months or so, um, but we had a conversation about this exact issue, he's like, you know, I was sitting there, I was, I was 20, 26 years old, I was sitting there, I was working at Sears, and, you know, nobody ever told me I could just quit and try something, right. and I think a lot of people Everybody always says, no, don't quit, be, be conservative. You know, there's a tax. You're either going to pay in time, energy, money, and skill. Or skill. You're going to pay a tax. And if you work at some dead-end job that you hate, uh, that is, makes you miserable, well, go volunteer, even though you're tired, in a nonprofit related to what you think you might want to do. I just had this conversation with a woman the other day. She loves design designing things, but she's working as an engineer for an oil company, and honestly, engineers don't care about design, they're like, does it bear the load, I don't care if it's orange, right. like, um, she really loves, like, designing problem sets, uh, fixing problem sets for, like, nonprofits and stuff like that, like, how do we reach out to uh, low income communities to help them um, get access to tutoring, you know, really goody two-shoe stuff. No, um, why don't you go volunteer or in and around the things that you want to do? And if you, I guarantee if you volunteer in and around the things that you want to do, you're going to find the people who can help you get there as a career. Like, I always tell, like, my nephew is a horticulturist in Oregon, which I'm pretty sure means he grows weed. But... <laughs> uh, he actually works for some organic food company. And I was talking to him one day. I was like, what? How? Like, you're like, no. Why are you working on a farm? He's like, you know what I really love doing? I really love helping. I really love watching how plants develop and, like, making them more better plants and keeping them protected the best. 
and like when he starts you can always tell that moment when somebody starts talking about something that they just find fascinating it's usually at parties it's usually like the person you don't want to talk to who starts talking about tax you know loss accounting Jim's talking to us again Um, usually people don't realize that when they're talking about things they're passionate about they're incredibly boring kind of like me now Uh, but really what it comes down to is what I call day fit Um, you can search for all the jobs in the world but they all have different titles different levels of prestige attached to them but ultimately it comes down to your day fit what is what how does that day fit you personally Um, if you're not a people person then being a receptionist is probably a bad idea as I've had to tell my receptionist before Uh, (laughs) not my current one uh, but it comes down to what is the day like so for me my day is solving problems all I do is I talk to people we talk over we educate I help train people and I solve problems every day and I love every second of every day I'm involved in my job it took me a while to find this but I, I found it right and I, I can't think that it's gonna it, like the problem sets are all pretty much related but you know they're distinct and varied enough every day that I have a novelty that I crave um, and it makes me happy like the people who don't ever find that good day fit I just feel bad for them work is like a third of your life right you spend a third of your life like a, you know a, a friend of mine a good friend of mine she was working as a contracts attorney and this is the most outgoing personable person I know good friend of mine charm just if you could define charm it would be her. She's this, this southern belle, charming woman. And she worked every day typing up contracts. <laughs> and that's what she did. And so she came a few months ago, and we sat down and we talked. And I said, hey, there's this gig that's come up. You should really apply for it. This is two years ago. And she goes, no, I'm happy. No, she wasn't. 18 months go by. So six months ago, she's sitting there. She's like, hey, this company, there's this gig that came up. I'm thinking of exploring it. It's the exact same job that I told her to apply for two years ago. Like, to the to the, to the the same company. Same guy who's hiring. Like, I knew the guy who was hiring. And I was like, come on, man, really? I told right. this two years ago. And uh, I said, look, it's a step up in complexity. You're going to have to learn a hell of a lot about tax law. She's a lawyer. I was like, you're going to have to learn a whole new branch of law from scratch five years into your career six years into your career you're going to have to move to a, an environment that's completely based on your performance as opposed to being based on you know, how many contracts you fill uh, but the difference is everything is going to be on you right. instead of nothing being on you and this responsibility is going to hit you like a ton of bricks I think you should do it it's a step down in pay it's a step lateral step in terms of prestige to everybody else but I'm telling you your day is going to be so much better because you're going to spend it solving problems for clients and that's where you belong in the room in the arena so she immediately jumps over and she we've talked like twice instead of talking like every two weeks because she's swamped because she's on that complexity curve where she's having to learn so much to get by but I haven't seen her as happy for six years and she's drowning in the amount of work and the volume, the volume and the complexity of the work is just overwhelming. And she's killing it because she's working and 
some and her day-to-day is now something that she just loves uh, it's like if you ever see a, a truly a chef who loves being a chef they work awful they work horrible hours and hot paid nothing and then they cook something and it's just amazing and they love it cooking and I could never be a chef because it's like my nightmare like, <laughs> like, like I love cooking but I like being able to walk out of the kitchen and sit down and you know I'm going to put that on the side and let it heat up <laughs> for a bit uh, but that's the thing that drives those people and, and I always tell people if you're not being driven by your work like it's one thing if you have You have obligations. You meet your obligations. But man, it, you know, if you have the opportunity to go do something that you really enjoy doing, or might enjoy doing more than you do this, go. And the opposite is also true. If you love what you're doing day to day, somebody comes along like, you look like you love this. Why don't you move up here? And your whole day changes. Don't take that job. Right. Like unless it's unless it's like an economic survival issue. I see so many people get promoted who have no business being promoted. Peter Principle, you're so good at this, why don't you do something completely different? Uh, you know, it, just because you're a good woodcutter doesn't mean you should run a sawmill. Um, I'm not saying don't follow your passion, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a trade-off. It is. It's, yeah. it's a hard balance. Um, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm about to be even further away. Dude, uh, it's it's fine. I have no limitations. Like, how, how are we doing Cowboys now? Oh, no, no, no. We got another half hour. Uh, right, cool. I have a junior coming over, so he's studying, and I'm going to help him study today. So. Okay, cool. So I realized something last, yesterday. There's literally a real moment. Were you in the shower? Because that's what no, happens to me. I was at work. I was thinking of you when I was in the shower. It's well, I, you know, I appreciate that. That's I was like, what am I going to say tomorrow? That's the best That's the best <laughs> time to think of me. Like, you know. That's how I'll always think of you. I should be cleaning right now, but <laughs> Jerron's coming. And Jerron's so coming. Wait. So, I find myself around a bunch of 23-year-olds, like that 23, 24-year-old range. Yeah. And they're males. And, I, and I'm and i specifically saying males because I know what it's like to be a 23, 24-year-old male. Right. And then I finally it's hit... It's a lived one. experience. Yes, but I figured out the epiphany, the difference between them now and me then. And I sit there, you know, you have those moments you're like, I'm a genius because this is the problem. Right. <laughs> and I'm like... But they're not necessarily wrong. Like, I realized I was talking to a kid at, at a job, and if you listen to this podcast, you know exactly who I was talking to, and he knows he talked to him. I'll tell him that I talked about him. But we were talking about music, and I'm going to use hip-hop here, so people that are not familiar, you'll be all right. Uh, so I'm not familiar, with go ahead. It's okay. There's so a rapper named Young Is this Jesus. something that Brad Pazit does? Or? No. no. I'm no, joking. No. <laughs> it's Willie Nelson. I'm, I'm lost. Willie Nelson mystifies me. He's like... Amazing. Yeah, it's just... The man wrote three of the best songs of all time in one week. See, I can't even... I can't touch this area because I know nothing about Willie Nelson. Do you like Al Green? Well, yes, we all know that. But he wrote... Do you... Uh, uh, funny How Time Slips Away? Willie Nelson wrote that in a week. But he also wrote Crazy for Patsy Cline. Well, okay. So, now I want to deviate for a second. So, I, I, can, I can quickly go over there. So, I love songwriting. So oh, now, now here's the thing. Greatest. I'm always amazed by songwriters who wrote certain songs because you're like, wait, what? 
So like you kind of like slightly blew my mind, but I was like, I feel like I knew that, but then because in my mind, I don't listen to Willie Nelson, but I recognize the well, somewhat. I mean, I don't really listen to Al Green like that, but I recognize the genius of his writing. Like I love Hall and Oates, but I re- I love them. Wait, did you say Hall and Oates? Yes, but I'm gonna tell you. Hold what. on, hold on. Before we go forward, what's your favorite Hall and Oates song? Uh, Mania. Oh, how do you sing that? No, <laughs> it's not what we're gonna do. But my fiance, my fiance thinks it's crazy because she's got in the car. Oh no, Hall and Oates is the and guy, and I'm playing. I feel like this is like the soundtrack to the '80s. Like every movie that I loved at the time. Did you ever see 500 Days of Summer? Probably. They my, have Hall and Oates all through the soundtrack. It's amazing. My life is a blur of movies, but to this point, he. I was talking to him about Young Jeezy the rapper. And, of course. And yes. So he tells me, and I realize that he's younger than me. I'm like, well, how do you think of Jeezy? He's like, there's nothing greater than Jeezy. Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay. But I'm really like, how old were you when he came out? He was like, I was in middle school. And I'm thinking, I was a grown man. <laughs> so he says that. And I'm comparing it to a rapper that exists, Yo Gotti. And then I realized that when I listen to music, for me, uh-huh. I love to hear the hunger. Like, in our generation, and here's what I'm saying. You're the hunger? The hunger of, like, I gotta make it. Like, I find that people, because you graduated, you said 98. 98? I graduated in 97. You're so old. Yes, I'm out here getting that extra year in. But what I realized that in that time period, we cared about, our parents really told us, go get a job, get a good job. That's where they came from. We were kind of told. We also came up in the greatest economic boom in history. Right. But we kind of have this drive to, like, go get the money. Like, I don't know if we genuinely respect the lottery winner. Like, we see the lottery, and we may play the lottery, but it's like... I don't think anybody respects the lottery winner. But here's the thing. The generation that exists now, they expect the lottery. Like, they're like, I should be able to play well, this one time. Look at how great their life is. Right, this, is this is two old men talking about how great your life is right now. But that's the thing. They don't If you can't it. remember life without the internet... You got it good. Right. I mean, but then I, I then I look at my parents and my dad grew up on a ranch and my mom grew up in central, central Ohio. And like I had dial up internet and that is the world of difference. Right. No internet. And you know, I had color television my whole life. Well, we had black and white until I was like nine, but and she you know, she had a television uh, that had like three channels. And, um she grew up and she, she graduated uh, high school in 1969. And she was a woman graduating high school in 1969, so she went into music. Um, and you know, my sister graduated in 2005. Sorry, sorry, Shara. I don't know if that's actually graduated. Six, 2006. Uh, sorry, I was trying to do the math in my head. 18. Yeah. Anyways, and everybody expected her to go in STEM, and now she's a nurse. So I think we're often, our limitations, are, our, our cultural limitations are how good they got it is driven by our generation. Um, would I trade places with kids born, if I, if I could be born in 1980 or 2000, I would want to be born in 2000, unquestionably. Well, here's the question, though, because this is, this is where it got to the part where I realized is, do you, you would have, you would have a lot of different opportunities, but... Would you be smart enough to be able to recognize no. them? No, but nobody's smart enough to recognize them. Right. you got to give yourself a margin of error. Look, you got to understand, you are the product of the choices that you were presented with at the time you were presented with them. Right? Um, it's sort of like, and so you grew up in Compton, right? Mm-hmm. So 
I'm sure you saw, like I saw, people who fell off, like smart people, sure. intelligent people who made stupid choices. Um, there was a girl I went to high school with in, high, in like our junior year. She played Russian roulette. What are you doing? Why would you ever play Russian roulette? A. But why would you use an automatic? What she actually used an automatic weapon. She was drunk. Anyways, so she kills herself. She's 17 years old. Stupid, right? Just stone cold stupid. Um, and my forgiveness, uh, forgive me for saying that about somebody who's killed, uh, who's dead, but you can't, you can't extract yourself completely from the culture and the place and the time that you grew up in. Right. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example of being out of sync with my culture, right? So I came up in 98, you know, and the army still had don't ask, don't tell, right? Gays couldn't serve openly, right? I had a discussion with somebody one time, and I was like, I don't see why they can't just, like, like gay folks can't just get married. I don't see why there's a distinction, right? And so I remember in 2004, getting into college, and I was still considered crazy for having that opinion at UT. Like, it was still more than 50% of people said that gay marriage shouldn't be allowed. And I'm sitting there, and I'm a vet at the time, and I'm like, doesn't matter to me. Like, see why the tax benefit should be one way um that's that's where i'm out of step with my cohort like most people my age did not come around to gay marriage until it was legalized by the supreme court then they were like all right i don't care that's just a fact um but i talked to I'm talking to uh, my niece who's 17 or 18 one of the two uh and she's like why would you ever have that that's stupid and then I talked to, like, my uncles grew up in the 50s and 60s. And the, it's they are against segregation and they're against all that stuff now. But I also know that when they were my right. age, they were totally like, why wouldn't you segregate people? And you're a black guy, I'm a white guy. Right. And it's just, I don't know, I, it, you can't separate yourself from the, the time. Oh, no, I agree. I just... It, it just kind of like that moment where you realize, and, I, and I've had this conversation with him numerous times, like we've all had it, like, right. you're in a great place to be the age you are, making the money you make. Like, one of the first things I ever told him, I said, look, because I've known him, we actually worked at another place together. I said, listen, I've known you a long time. Understand now, you have to find new friends. I was like, not because your friends oh, are bad, yeah. but you make too much money for your friends they are going to keep you from being able to do the things that you should be trying to experience now where you are. <laughs> because so, I'll, I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, so I was in college, and I was 24, 25, 26 when I was at UT. And I used to throw parties. Like, every couple of weeks, I'd throw a huge party with my, my buddy who on the railroad stuff. And we had our friends. Most of them had been out of college by now. Most of them had never gone to college, right? So they'd go, and they drink hard and whatever. And so one time we threw this massive party on Friday, and on Monday, you know, I went back to school. And I was back in school, and I'm perfectly fine. I sobered up over the ensuing <laughs> two days. Um, and this guy calls. He's like, "Hey, man, you want to go party tonight?" I was like, "No, dude, I got, I got a test on Tuesday. I'm not, I'm not doing that." He's like, "Oh, you throw this big party, and you don't want to go out and party?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I do." I do have fun when I want to have fun, and I work the rest of the time when I'm focused on a goal. Like, I was taking 24 hours a, 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 a semester. That's how serious I was. Yeah, I was a very serious student. 
Um, and there's actually a sitcom that had a great episode about this. Scrubs, you ever see Scrubs? Yes. There's an episode where uh, the guy who plays Deadpool came there, and he was like, shows up in town, and he gets them all drunk, and they're like, dude, why did you take us partying? He's like, hey, just say no. Like, I'm here to party, and if I have to work tomorrow, I'm not going to party. <laughs> right. Like, and, and young guys, I think everybody has that moment when they realize, like, oh, man, I really want to stay here and have fun, um, but I also have obligations to others. You know, I wish I could say that everybody like, gets to that point where they make the decision that they're going to do it wisely, but they don't. Um, I think it's a completely individual choice. And, like, getting new friends, that's such a dangerous thing to say to somebody. Um, having limits with your friends. Because you can't take people out of there. Right, right. Like, I still have the same friends I had in fifth grade. Um, Oddly enough, me too. And so, um, you know, statistically, we're, we're very different folks. You know, I have a graduate degree. I own a business. You know, uh, fairly high earner uh, compared to them. And I have friends who work for the state. Friends who work, you know, whatever. And so, economically, we've become stratified, right? Uh, but I also know that I can pick the phone up and talk smack about the Cowboys or whatever. Well, yeah, you're always gonna have your root. Can always you? have your root. Always. But when you tell people to get rid of their friends or get new friends, it becomes it's a dangerous thing. You can get new friends. And you can grow your circle of friends, but you know you, you should always keep your roots. Um, no, I agree. The weirdest part about the roots is the people who are there at the when you somebody meets you, that's who you are to them forever. Like, have yes. you ever noticed this? Yes. Like, uh, uh, you know, there's a friend of mine who's really wants to be a an activist, but all I can think of is he's just a moron. Um, I, I shouldn't say friend; he's an acquaintance of mine. Uh, but you know. I, I can only see him as the 18-year-old kid who was like the worst human being I've ever met. Because all all 18-year-old boys are terrible, by the way, just so you know. Yes. If, if there was ever any question. Um, but you know, I'll meet people who have now met him in his political life, and they're like, "Oh, I love this guy." And I'm like, "Ah, he's terrible." Uh, I hate to tell you that, and I don't say that to him right. because that'd be inappropriate. But all I can think is, "Wow, this person has terrible judgment." Uh, <laughs> I can't trust him with that. I remember what he did. <laughs> I, I remember, yeah, I remember when, yeah. And so long story short, um, no, long story long, I should say. Um, the, the, you said 23-year-olds, and you're, you're surrounded by people 15 years younger than you. Well, that's great. Um, you're, they call you Graybush and uh, Graybeard. Oh, no, I know they hate me. No, I they, mean, they, they, they hate me because, uh, here's what I realized, because I hated them when I was their age. But I was wise enough to listen, but I was like, I really hate them for this. Like, I'm going to go through this process with them. So I'm trying to, okay, I'm going to say this. How can you phrase this without losing all your friends? Let's no, no, no. Because Let's how, see them tap dance, ladies and gentlemen. Check this out. So, I love these gentlemen. Tippy, tappy, tippy, tappy, tippy, tappy. No, they, they, <laughs> the one thing they always always say about me is I've always spoke my mind, and whether it was the right way to go or not. Yeah, no. It, it is what it is. Radical but, candor. <laughs> I realized at a young age kind of where I wanted to be. And so if you prevented me with the opportunity, I'm all about the opportunity. Right. You may not be where I want to be, but I'm all for the opportunity because I know it's a step. Right. So I was always willing to listen and apply what made sense. And so when I give information to the these young I'm kind of like, listen, I'm not saying get rid of your friends. I'm saying that when we talk, you tell me you want this life. You want these things. 
I'm telling you right now, you're so far ahead of where they are. There's no way right now that if you're trying to be with them on a consistent, regular basis, that unless you're hyper-focused, which I know you're not because we talk, and I uh, ask you, I do for him what you did for me the, the other day, but I, I've done it consistently to the point of, I'm not going to change who you are. I'm just saying, if this is what you want, have a plan. So, <laughs> you say have a plan. So, one of the things I always tell people is strategy is not preemptive decision making. Right. school and meet a wife, I'm going to become a longshoreman, we're going to get married, and we're going to have four kids and 2.5 dogs, and we're going to be fine, right? And I'm going to retire at 47, and I'm going to be awesome. Great. That just, that's a story, that's beautiful. Um, that just so happened to have worked according to plan. Great. Strategy um, is more about the trade-off, and one of the things when you're 23 is you don't but, you know, at 23, you're so much smarter than you were at 18. Like, there's no way. Right. Like, you feel like there's no comparison. I remember turning 21 and being like, there's no comparison to me at 21 compared to when I was at 18. Because at 18, I was a smart-ass kid who was always doing push-ups. And at 21, I had just become a sergeant. And now I'm like, you know, you know I'm, I'm kind of a serious dude now. Uh, you know, I don't have to do push-ups anymore. Right? No, I was the same person. I was the same goober. Um, I think one thing you can do... Like I, I talked to my nephew yesterday. My nephew's 24-ish. Uh, and so watching him, you know, get into horticulture and have that drive him as his passion has been wonderful, right? So I've always said, I don't care what you do. Um, find what drives you and don't do anything criminal. And I'll support you. And you need help, uh, I'll kick you a plane ticket uh, or whatever. Um, but never been like you need to get new friends or I, I the only thing I've ever explicitly told him to do is I was like look if somebody's gonna punch you in the face you can't stop sit down and cry you have to make a choice and bear the consequences for that choice if somebody's gonna punch you in the face somebody's gonna abuse you and abusing other people so if you're not gonna do it for yourself do it for something do it for somebody else right. you can't do it for yourself this is what he's like I don't give this advice to a middle school kid. I was right out of the army. I was like, what are you doing? You got punched in the head, black guy. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, the kid punched me. And I was like, well, punch him back. And he's like, well, I'll get expelled. I'm like, that's stupid. Nobody will expel you. Well, actually, they won't. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, so other than that one affirmative piece of advice, usually I just you know, sit there and ask him questions to help him figure stuff out. Um, so these, these guys, all you can do is, like, there's so many times in your life be like, just do this. It'll. It's so easy. Just do this one thing. And you know, I, I had this conversation. So there's a there's a young woman who's um, interning with us right now, um, and we're talking about a client case. And um, she's like, why wouldn't you tell them what to do? I was like, well, I know what the well, I'm going to tell them what to do. I know what the, the steps that are there, but I can't tell this client like, do these things because this client doesn't see the value of the advice yet he's right. still on the front end of that um, that curve like, he doesn't grasp 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 the big impl- 
implications of what's going on in his life. Um, I need him to see. I need to educate him to see the problem before I can. I need to diagnose the problem and have him see that I've diagnosed the problem and that it is a problem before I recommend a change. Because if I just come in and be like, hey, you should save more money, like, he'll be like, yeah, thanks, dude. That was really not helpful at all. And then I've wasted my two hours and his two hours, right? And your two hours. And she didn't get it. And then uh, at the meeting, and then after the meeting, two days later, we're sitting there, we're writing up the second meeting plan, and she goes, oh, you're saying our job is not to give advice, it's to let them uncover the best path and guide them. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what you have to do, because nobody listens to the guy that says do X or Y. Like, it's just, it's a hard step, especially, you know, if you, it, you know, everybody's, everybody believes they're the most intelligent person in the room at all points in time. Why wouldn't we? We know us better than anybody else. We're obviously the smartest person ever because we know ourselves. Um, but the, 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 that reach, and it is reaching when you tell somebody to make a change in their life, um, is, is, it's one of the hardest things not to do. Right. Like, it's, it's very difficult to be like, I'll often be like, okay, you did that. Okay, then that, what happened? Okay. And why did that happen? Oh, because you did that. Whatever that means. Right, right, that. right. And with 23-year-old guys, they're the worst. They're just, they're almost as bad as wannabe lawyers. Uh, usually wannabe lawyers are 23 to 24 years old. So that's perfect demographic. Um, you just, man, I, uh, that's... Well, you found the beauty of it. Yeah. See, see, see what I did there? No. Oh, Wait. yeah. No, the beauty you of it me. is that since I've known him so long, it's really about to find a way. Like, my thing is not, don't change anything about what you're doing because you've already gotten, done enough to get yourself ahead. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're doing well, yeah. Find a way. Like, the thing that I find, and, and maybe it's towards how you deal with your clients in a way, is, here's the thing. You're smart enough to be in this position. Right. They're smart enough to sit down with you. Yeah. I don't need to tell you anything. You're fine. You're, you're fine for where you are right now. You've done the best possible thing you could do at this point. All I can do is say to you is, where are you trying to get? Right. What you got you here isn't going to get you there. Yeah. So if if you got here, you're obviously looking like what can get you there. So to my case with this, from a social standpoint, I'm like, hey, you tell me you want a Maserati. You tell me you want these things. Here's the only thing that I will say to you. What are you doing at this point now? to get there. Because if you're not doing anything to get you there, you're kind of hoping and wishing. And so, uh, <laughs> May I jump in here? Yeah. So one of the things that, this is common enough with clients um, it, it, that it actually touches on something we do a lot. I'll often, I won't tell a client, do save 25% of your income. That's what you should be doing. But I'll say, okay, let's lay out what all these things are layout. I want to send my kid to college. I want to own a gym. I want to own a home. And my wife is going to start nursing school. And she started nursing school. She's going to be a nurse in three years. And so once she graduates, we're going to move to another city. All right. I'm good. I'm set. I got money. I'm doing great. And then I, I walked and I said, okay. I know just by looking at the map, this is not going to work. Like what he's laid out, what he said is a priority is not. In fact, priority. I say, okay, okay, let's scrub this out. Let's say we're not talking 
So let's say I have a person, and that person makes this, makes this, his wife does this, and they want to do these three things in this time frame, right? And so we know they need to have this much money by this much date, whatever. All right, is this person going to make it? No, no, it's okay, not. Like, you just look at them and you're like, no, dude, that's not how math works. One minus three is not four. It's negative two. Uh, but you can't be like, hey, you know, you're not on path. You're not on track. Right. But you can walk them through like, show me how it works. Right. And just keep asking because people know when they're bullshitting you. Because they know, everybody knows in their de- deepest, dark, and darkest heart when they're full of shit. Uh, And people are usually full of shit about three things. Money, sex, and uh, whatever television show show everybody else likes but they haven't seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and honestly, that's what I love about it. Because we had that moment. And I knew when I had it in that moment, I backed off. Because I was like, I'm not trying to embarrass you. No, you don't do it in front of other people. Right. Like, I mean... You do that in the room with the door shut. We have this small circle of... Weird, ga- gaggle of weirdos. Right. But yeah. it was like, here you are, the youngest one of us. Yeah. You got this guy here who's the married version. I'm the on my way to being married version. Yeah. Then you have the guy that's like, Quagmire. I haven't really quite figured it out. He's Quagmire, I'm, but with no he, sex appeal. Right. He would like to be Quagmire. <laughs> and then here you are. And we all have our different perspectives. And we have to defer when it has to be deferred. Like, I'll tell you what, I don't know anything about marriage. You need to go that way. I'm not this. I'm trying to figure that part of life out. Go ask him. He's been married three <laughs> times. He knows the answers. <laughs> no, we don't talk to him at all about marriage. But as, as I explained to him, I said, you know, you you at least know what it is that you want. Right. And you 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 can you can dress it up into material things, but you know reasonably what you want. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you this. You're not getting it now because you don't have the... the Cause and this is the reason, but this is why I tell him. Cause he has this, you know, people like you said, they like to say, "I am all about money. I'm trying to get the money. I want the money. I'm getting the money." Right. And I'm like, "Listen, if you are really trying to get the money, you're a different person. It's okay. You make really good money right now. Enjoy it. I... Enjoy where you are. But stop lying to yourself because you're setting yourself up for a weird kind of failure. Yeah. That at 19, and it wasn't a lot of money, but at 19, I worked for the post office." Like, this is my first real job. And I'm like, I make a lot of money for a 19-year-old who has no bills and no responsibility. Often, yeah. (laughs) Often when people have money in their pocket, they feel like they're making a lot of money. Right. Whatever their income level is. I'll tell you this, having worked with entrepreneurs, having worked with regular folks, um, money is a tool. It's not a goal. Um, There are people... The client I had, he's like, my goal is to be my, the Michael Jordan of money. <clears throat> I want to have so much money when I'm done that everybody can say he, I had the most money. He's on a very good track to get there. But I, I just, it was such an alien level of, of just, it wasn't even greed. It was just avarice. Just, I want this. I'm like, why? Like, he, it, for him, it was the scoreboard. somebody says, oh, I'm after the money, I'm chasing the paper, or whatever it is. 
I look at him and I'm, I honestly get confused because I'm like, it's it's just an alien concept. And I say this is somebody who works with money. Like money is no more sexy than plumbing. It's just a thing that we have to do or we choose to do because we don't want to be covered in you know filth. Right. Um, but I, I you know I see it take over. I see people fight divorces and they fight over you know relatively small sums of money. They pay their lawyers more than the sum that they're fighting over. And I'm just like, money is money is money. Whether it comes out of your retirement account or your checking account or, you know, the shares of Apple that you bought and sold, like, it's just a tool. Um, so I, you'd say that. I don't think he's actually chasing money. Oh, no. Because you and I have both met those people. Those people are different. Yes. yes those people are, are terrifying. Like, scary they really are and, no, th- and that's what I tried to get him to understand like listen you don't you don't have that instinct that killer those people are killers well I told him he hasn't learned it yet I was like there's a place and I, and I say this to my fiance all the time because she was like well why don't you do this because you work in an environment where you are I was like listen the person that I have to become to be completely about the money is not the person that proposed to you it's no. not the person who you met it's not I was like I get it because no. it's it's a really when you become all about the money I just feel so it's tragic because I've seen it and the truth is when the goal becomes there's a handful of things that just are absolutely ruinous to, to people because they're unfillable jars this is the quest for fame uh, uh, the quest for money um, and to a lesser extent people who are terrified about their reputation um, like it's reputation I'm going to start there so you know how many football coaches or basketball coaches you know that talk about character and how to live your life blah 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 and then you turn around and you see this stuff in the news this week about Rick Pitino right. Rick Pitino is a millionaire he's got everything he's won championships he's widely respected and he got 98% of the money that Adidas was paying to get these kids a place with different agents. What a stupid thing to do. Right. Because there was a disease of more, right? Oh, I'm important. I need to get credit for this. Therefore, you know, you should pay me to help me. I'll take care of this kid getting into the NBA. What a stupid thing to do. And there's blinders that have to be attached when you're going after money, fame, or that, that, that ego. It, it makes you a non-functioning human being. Yeah. Um, and having dealt with it, I mean, you worked in the music industry. There's a difference between those truly groundbreaking, talented people. I always find that truly talented people are very helpful. They've been very helpful to me in my whole career right. in life. Is they'll sit there and they'll talk to you and they'll walk you through what they do because they love what they do, not the outcome of what they do, just what they do. Right. Um, and people who are all about the money, God, they're so boring. Yeah. Like I'll tell you, there's a guy I know who drives like he has like four really nice cars, and he has a gorgeous, he has a horrendously ugly home in a very nice neighborhood, but it's so gaudy 
I look at it and I'm like, that is, that's what you chose? Yeah, you spent a million dollars and you got that building? That was what you wanted? Uh, it's just, it's it's the most tacky, showy-offy kind of thing I've ever seen. And, you know, we have a conversation and he doesn't understand. We'll be at an event. He's like, nobody talks to me. I was like, because all you talk about is your money right. or your car or your house. And, you know, that stuff's boring. You know, you didn't talk about the last book you read. Right. You didn't talk about movies you like. You didn't talk. You, you didn't start quoting. You started quoting Godfather, but then you stopped after three minutes because you only know the quotes from the movie. You didn't actually watch the movie. Right. You know? Um, you know, I always tell people, sorry, we're getting late in the day, but... Yeah. I always tell people, like, if nothing else, try not to be boring at parties. Right. And <coughs> so to say this, because this is where I'm proud of it, I felt like all those years of work of conversating, conver- conversations. Conversating. Conversing. Conversating. <laughs> <laughs> conversating. Was, I conversated all over the place. He's going to Germany. Especially when I was 23. That's all I wanted from him. He's going to Germany. He's getting his why, passport. Why is he going to Germany? I don't know why he's going. What's in Germany? Opportunity for him to leave. <laughs> opportunity for him to leave. What's he going to do? I don't even care. I just was like, he's gonna work on an assembly line at DW or what? No, no, he's going. No, he's not moving there. He's just going to visit, like vacation. Oh, sex tourism. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it what, isn't. The, I mean, I don't know who this is, but you know, that's that's an interesting choice. Whatever his purpose is, as long as, and that was the thing I tried to give him. I said, like, you have to go outside. You're waiting for your friends to catch up so you guys can go together. If no. you're there, go. Yeah, you know, I, I I've had trips planned with friends. So once I plan to go. got time to be and I was the only one who had gotten my damn passport so I went yeah like and I was like instead of being four people it's one well this is cool <laughs> alright that was great uh, you know never ever ever plan on doing something and having everybody come through like, right like it just happens if you want everybody to get there you gotta do it yourself uh, but yeah you, you gave the kid good advice go Go do something. And that was the thing I told him. I was like, that's what I've been trying to get you to realize this whole time. You're in a place where if you don't go, you're going to spend this money on something stupid. It's not going to mean anything to you. Unlike sex tourism in Germany? He'll remember for the rest of his life. One way or the other. (laughs) (laughs) But Her name was Applause. (laughs) What I want to do here (laughs) as we wrap up is... One, give me information on how to find you, how to locate you there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Just go to alpha.com, O-W-L-F-A.com, and... Know, you can uh, sign up for a plan and uh, you know we'll ask you some questions and then we'll have a conversation um, and then you know whether it's, whether it's financial planning or investment management it all depends on the person and where they are uh, we don't have like some by 23 you must be here <laughs> by 27 you should be here at 31 you should own this by this that, that's just those formulae answers don't work like because that's an average and very few people ever meet the well, I, I appreciate it, and just to kind of reiterate... This is fun. The reason why I wanted to interview... The hour we spent trying to get the microphone to work was all the best material. Yeah, that, that was... I apologize to all of you. You guys missed all my great intros. I no, had so was, many. He did, he, <laughs> we had nine introductions before we actually got started. He he kept... He messed up his recording. It was awesome. Yes, but it's okay. But he, was, he was so awkward about it. He's like, uh, I don't know what has happened here. Because I'm <laughs> anti-tech Brad. Everybody knows. But... To that point, the reason why I wanted to interview you was because who you are as a person, how you come off as a person, 
I think from a financial standpoint, where people are so used to the stuff shirt and the guy there. Yeah, look at my tie. <laughs> is my tie nice? Yes, it says yeah. Dynamo. <laughs> it's Dynamo, yeah. But um, I don't wear ties. No, just no. wearing a jersey right now. So. so again, I do thank you for taking this time out. And again, it's O W L F A. Dot com. com. Yep. So if if it helps, just think I'll financial advisor or FA or whatever works for you but yeah he's great it's been a great time we spent like two hours this is probably gonna be the longest podcast I've done thus far yeah you're gonna have to edit this one <laughs> actually I probably won't because I like I told you it's a conversation so however it goes it goes yeah and I appreciate the time and if you've listened this far man you gotta do something else man this is not appropriate to listen for this long I'm just kidding <laughs> hey, you I enjoyed it <laughs> we might, I might do it in two parts maybe We'll figure it out, but oh, we can find a break point. Thank you very much, and again, Critical Hustle Podcast. Yeah, criticalhustle.com. Have a wonderful. See you next episode. So that was Lee Mayfield of Alpha O W L F A, and I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I think this was a, a good one. It was a long one, definitely longer than the average two weeks about two hours a little bit over two hours but i think there's a lot of good information there i think it's just always about perspective and i think that we're able to look at things in a different light from there i'm really curious to know what you guys got from this this episode here so again you can definitely reach me on critical hustle that's twitter also on instagram as well as you can send me an email at criticalhustle at gmail.com or you can also visit owlfa.com and learn more about Lee and his company outside of that it's been great thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week have a good one Yeah. Uh. I'm back, back, better than ever. The king is arisen, young Nebuchadnezzar. Leave all the north, that is a never. Put in so much work, they can't measure the effort. But look at me now, make more from the lesser. Solid, I never fold under pressure. Ugh, eating, Hannibal Lecter, milking it. Boy, I was great for the cheddar. They say they want real, it's a shade in the desert. So take it or love it or hate it, whatever. I'm reaping the fruits of my labor, tasting the nectar, getting this paper together. Pain into pleasure, flame like Jamaican, not pepper. Mine is a midget stepper. I'm trying to get to the money, but that ain't my greatest endeavor. When it rained, I don't pray for good weather. When it got cold, I said thanks for the sweater. I never said I'm a shooter, I'm more like an Uber. I'm down to take it wherever. Man, leave me alone, the king is on his throne, and I'm waving my scepter. God, I'm trying to figure out how it happened, like the bone collector. They stiff as a board and light as a feather. I show all my craft to make them remember. I got a gift like it's late in December. The circle is small and ain't taking new members. You never been through no struggle. Depend on your people to bubble. Working with minimal muscles. And I got a critical hustle. Critical hustle. Critical hustle. Whatever they told to, I do whatever I want to. Used to be down to split the bag, now I'm so low when I come through. I got a critical hustle. 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 They do whatever they told to. I do whatever I want to. Used to be down to split the bag, now I'm so low when I come through. Ultimately, the goal is to help motivate individuals like yourselves.
say, okay, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only one that is trying to do something. And sometimes you run into roadblocks. It happens. But as we discussed before, your concern is never really what you can't do. It's getting to a place where you can say you did it. Good looking. Black.